Hello and welcome back to the C. Thomas Printer Cooperative, a place to make you think, make you remember, and make you smile. June 19th, 2022. Good morning. I'm Mostertu Jones. Today I'm with G-Spot. G-Spot, tell us please, you were around before the US Open was open. And you always talk about being around at closing time. But how about before opening time? Well, it's about goddamn time I get to speak on this thing, young lady. You and C. Thomas have been <laughs> talking for five weeks straight, and you still aren't funny. Oh, yeah? You two talking about inflation and clipping coffee coupons last week or whatever you were yakking about. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Thank you. You're welcome. I got a lot to say, so this is going to be our first two-part podcast. We are going to release the story first, and then we're going to have a little treat for our readers and listeners to follow. This week, we have the U.S. Open Golf Tournament, held at the oldest country club in the United States called The Country Club, outside of Boston and Brookline, Massachusetts. The Americans famously won the Ryder Cup over the Europeans in 1999 when Justin Leonard made an improbable putt on the 17th hole to secure the cup for the Americans. The rich history of this golf club includes the famous 1913 win by U.S. amateur and father of U.S. amateur golf, Francis Wiemet, where he beat British champions Ted Gray and Harry Varden at the club where he used to caddy as a child. Mark Frost wrote about this story in The Greatest Game Ever Played, a true story. They made it into a movie with Shia LaBeouf, and it's the story of Francis and how he and his 10-year-old precocious caddy, Eddie Lowry, overcame the pros and elitism by becoming the first American amateur to win the U.S. Open. But that isn't the story I want to tell you. The story I want to tell you was told in whispers behind hushed doors of country clubs and around poker games being played late into the night. It was considered an urban legend. It's the story of the greatest round of golf ever played. Ooh la la, this is rather assertive. Let's hear it then. Eddie Lowry had a car dealership in San Francisco. That's right, the same Eddie Lowry that caddied as a 10-year-old for Francis Wiemet when he won the 1913 U.S. Open at Brookline. That little 10-year-old Eddie Lowry became the most successful Lincoln car dealer in the country and would go on to become oh. a huge supporter of amateur golf and a member at super-exclusive resorts like Augusta National, where the Masters is played, and mm -hmm. Cypress Point in California, where our story takes place in 1956. Cypress Point is a golf course located near Pebble Beach on the Monterey Peninsula, where Bing Crosby was having his clam bake, which is called something corporate today. It was basically the biggest pro-am golf tournament at the time and drew celebrities and all the top golfers to the Pebble Beach region. So, 
our Eddie was at the clam bake as he was friends with Bing Crosby and he had had a few drinks at a party and was bragging about his two employees at his car dealership could beat any two golfers alive, amateur or professional, and he was willing to make a big bet on it. <laughs> now, he didn't just have any two amateurs selling cars for him, but Harvey Ward and Ken Venturi. Harvey Ward had won the 1955 and 1956 U.S. Amateur Championships and is the only person to ever win the U.S., British, and Canadian amateurs as well as an NCAA individual title. Although, on this day, he was the only person that wouldn't end up winning a U.S. Open. Ken Venturi, who would go on to take second in the Masters Golf Tournament later that spring, and in 1964 would win a U.S. Open and be crowned PGA Player of the Year and Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. He would go on to have a 35-year broadcasting career, but on this day, he was just a fresh-faced kid of 24. Eddie finally got someone to take him up on his bet. A wealthy individual named George Coleman accepted the wager, and the match was to be played at Cypress Point at 10 a.m. The rules were best ball, which means the better of the two players' scores would be recorded as the score of the team each hole. However, no one knew who would be playing the amateurs, as all the pros were expected to play practice rounds over at Pebble Beach with the celebrities and amateurs for the clam bake. Mm. At 10 a.m. in front of only four or five people besides the caddies, <laughs> the players, and the betters, the match began. The amateurs' opponents that day were Byron Nelson, with five majors under his belt, including two Masters and a U.S. Open, and the PGA record for winning 11 straight golf tournaments, and Ben Hogan, a winner of nine majors, including all three he played in 1953. Legends of the game and tough as boot leather, and they still rank number four and number six in all-time wins, although they were probably number one and number two at the time. Maybe Sam Snead in that mix. I don't know. Anyway, the match was on. When it was over, the two teams combined for 27 birdies and one eagle by Hogan. Their scores were a 63 and a course record by Ben Hogan, 65 for Nelson and Venturi, and a 67 for Ward, who was hungover and played on two hours of sleep because the clam bake was such a huge party in those days. <laughs> Eddie Lowry and his amateurs had lost but it took two of the greatest golfers of all time to do it. When they finished their match, it was reported that there were 5,000 people watching as word had spread around the Monterey Peninsula of the match, and everyone left watching the pros and headed to watch the match. 5,000 people just showed up. Oh, my God. Just like that. Hmm. Harvey Ward moved to Pine Needles Resort in North Carolina and would go on to coach Payne Stewart, who would win two U.S. Opens, including the U.S. Open in 1999, winning by one shot over Phil Mickelson, competing this weekend in Brookline. Mickelson has never won the U.S. Open, but finished second a record six times. Payne competed and was part of the 1999 Ryder Cup team, also played here at Brookline. 
but tragically lost his life months later in an aircraft accident. Payne's father, who taught him the game, played in the 1955 U.S. Open, where Ben Hogan lost in a playoff. Hogan and Nelson had never played together as partners, ever, even though both grew up as caddies together at the same country club, Glen Garden Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. In 1930, Dick Grote was hired to be head golf professional, and he hired his own brother, Jack Grote, to be an assistant pro, where he became playing companions of both Hogan and Nelson. Now, who was Jack Grote, and why is he important? Well, he would one day go on to become the one and only teacher of one Jack Nicholas, the greatest golfer of all time, where they became acquainted after Grote took the head golf pro job in Scioto Country Club in Columbus, Ohio, where in 1926, Bobby Jones won his second U.S. Open and Jack Nicholas's father was in attendance. Now, why is this important? Because Hogan, Nicholas, Bobby Jones are all tied with the most U.S. Open wins of all time with four, along with Willie Anderson in 1901, 02, 04, whatever, which he was actually the only person to win three straight titles, only to reportedly die at 31 by drinking himself to death. That's pity. It's a a shame. Uh, And Ken Venturi became a golf hall of famer himself and was immortalized in the Kevin Costner movie, Tin Cup, where he is shown announcing the tournament with longtime golf announcer, Jim Nance. Jim Nance makes his home today at Pebble Beach. Oh, was that story true, G-Spot? That sounds impossible, though. There is no video, and most of the spectators have already passed away but Mark Frost wrote a book called The Match. Mark Frost, let me give you a few uh, info, was the writer of both books we mentioned today, and you should go check out his books, as he's an excellent storyteller. He also co-created Twin Peaks with David Lynch. The early 90s thriller is often ranked as one of the greatest television series of all time, filmed in North Bank, Washington. We have put a link to both books on our blog at cthomasprinter.com. Inside fully yours, G-Spot Johnson. Also born on this date, King James I, Kathleen Turner, Mo Howard, Salman Rushdie, Felicia Rashad, Paula Abdul, and the luckiest man on the face of the earth, Lou Gehrig. <laughs> 